0: This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson.
1: What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly here in Studio B. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. As the uh, Pelicans are off again today, they will practice today and get set to take on the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. Of course, football is over with. Players uh, met with the media yesterday. Sean Payne will meet with the media on Wednesday at 1 p.m. And of course, lots of rumors circling around with lots of coaching changes as the coaching carousel begins here with certain teams now looking for a new head coach. You have the Giants now without Tom Coughlin. After 12 years, he steps down. The Colts sign Chuck Pagano to four more years. The 49ers uh, will relieve Jim Tomsula of his duties. You have the Browns looking for a new coach. Philly is looking for a new coach. Tennessee potentially with interim coach Mike Morlarkey. Same with Miami. He can go down the list. So the next few days should be interesting. And three teams file for relocation. The Chargers, Raiders, and Rams all looking to go to LA to play football next year. Can you imagine if all three get them? I'm guessing they'll only take two of the three, but should be interesting to decide uh, the owners who they decide will go to LA. So lots of things to pay attention to as far as the NFL is concerned. Plus, oh yeah, the playoffs start this weekend. You have Chiefs and Texans, Bengals, Steelers, Seahawks, Vikings, and Packers, Redskins on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, We're going to focus mostly on the Pelicans today, but Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com will put his football hat on in our last segment and we'll preview the matchups uh, for this weekend and then we'll get you set with those playoff matchups throughout this week on the Black and Blue Report. Today, as I mentioned, we'll focus on the Pelicans. Jim Eichenhofer, as he always does on a Tuesday, will come on and Joel Myers, television voice of the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans, will join me to talk a little Pelicans as well. So a two-game homestand Wednesday against the Mavericks, Friday against the Pacers Then it is on the road for three against Clippers, Lakers, Sacramento. And then the Pelicans will be home basically throughout the rest of January besides a Martin Luther King Day trip to Memphis, Tennessee. So Lots of good stuff on this Tuesday. Let's get started. Coming up next, we'll talk Pelicans with Joel Myers, then Jim Eichenhofer, and then we'll wrap things up. You're listening
2: to the Black and Blue Report. Join your New Orleans Pelicans Friday, January 8th at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center when the Indiana Pacers battle your New Orleans Pelicans. Come out and celebrate Superhero Night. The first 8,000 in attendance will receive a Pelican superhero poster. Come dressed as your favorite superhero and you can enter our costume contest to have a chance to win great prizes. Tickets start as low as $21, so don't miss out on any of the action. And call 525 HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system
3: a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new immune builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange immune builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose.
0: New Orleans, get ready for WWE Monday Night Raw. Televised live worldwide from Smoothie King Center. Monday night, January 11th. Featuring the return of Brock Lesnar. Plus, you'll see John Cena, Roman Reigns, Demon Kane, the Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, the Divas, and many more in action. Don't wait. Great seats are available now at the box office and Ticketmaster. This is Pelican's Guard, Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: All right, time to talk some Pelicans on this Tuesday. Joining me now on the phone is the television voice of the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans. That is Joel Myers. Joel, nice to have a, a few days off here. Happy Tuesday to you.
4: You too. Happy New Year. And uh, to all our friends out there on uh, the Black and Blue Report as well, Daniel.
1: Absolutely. No doubt about that. Joel, this team is 5-5 five and five in its last 10. You can kind of see a little bit of improvement in each and every game. What have you noticed from this Pelicans team in the last 10 games?
4: Well, they're trying. They're really making a great effort at pace. They're trying to get the ball up the floor now. For the most part, there's better pace to it. And what I really like is the last three or four games, what they've been doing at the defensive end of the floor. So uh, holding opponents in the mid 90s, whatever it might be. Now there's obviously the Pelts need more consistent at the uh, consistency at the offensive end of the floor. And if that falls into place, I got a feeling it could be a really good January for them.
1: No doubt. What are, you, what are you noticing on the defensive end? This team has held a couple of opponents under 100 points this last couple of games. What is it about the defense that's been improving the last few games?
4: Well, it's just overall recognition of situations and rotation. So, these guys have a clue now. They tried to simplify the system. In talking to the coaching staff, there's fewer calls at that end of the floor. And I'm talking about play calls at the defensive end. Uh, ashik is better shape. Ashik's doing a better job in particular. So, um... It's a really good situation now. And if the offense falls into place, because I truly believe the defense it can only get better, as we all know, but it has gotten better. So now we need more consistency offensively.
1: What needs to be done offensively to get more consistent? As you're saying, what is lacking right now that maybe this team can kind of get better at?
4: Well, the backcourt's got to be more consistent. You know, if they're back-to-back games, uh, the starting backcourt didn't hit for a very high percentage. And, and the turnovers, and, and then... The Clipper game, the starting backcourt struggled a little bit. Tyreek, before he went down with the uh, 10 to his knee, he actually had a couple of big assist games, which is really encouraging. So it's overall consistency and also knowing what you do best. And I'm talking about whether you shoot the mid-range game better or the three better, playing to your strength. So, and, and that goes with everybody on the floor, but in particular with the guards in the wing
1: mentioned one of the guards, Norris Cole, last three games, 16 points, eight rebounds, four assists, had his career high in rebounds in the win against Dallas. What has been different about him the last few games? What have you seen from Norris that's uh, shown some improvement?
4: Well, he's gone up to the floor very early and engaged the defense early, and that's what Alvin wants. Uh, Hopefully, he will continue. He's been helpful. Drew and Norris have been helpful. Eric looking ahead as well. Tyreek, and it's been a battle because see the guy likes the ball in his hands. But uh, for the most part, for Norris Cole in particular, getting the ball in the teeth of the defense, the runners, mid-range game, uh, back off on the three until the three tells you you're ready for the three. So I like the pace, though, in particular from Norris Cole.
1: No doubt about that. Joel, the nine of the next 13 are at home at the Smoothie King Center. You have one long road trip west coast. Is a good chance for the Pelicans to make a run here, would you say?
4: Without a doubt. And the one thing to, to really look forward to, Daniel, uh, when you consider, as you said, nine of the next 13? Well, the start of the new month, seven of the 14th of the month of December, are in teams that are going to be on the second of a back-to-back. So uh, the situation is this once again this Wednesday. Dallas is going to play on Tuesday. The throw are the West the rest of the team on Wednesday. Got to take advantage of it. We're going to know a lot by the end of the month of January. With as you mentioned, nine of the next 13 and seven against winners and seven against losers.
1: Yeah, should be a good one uh, starting on Wednesday at the Smoothie King Center against the Dallas Mavericks, a chance to get three of four against them can finish the series on a good note. That's Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans. Joel, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.
4: Uh, hopefully you for a win on Wednesday. No doubt about it.
1: All right, when we come back, we'll talk more Pelicans. With well, Jim Eichenhofer, you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
2: Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now, you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866 auchner Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Your New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guy's Night Out Six Pack, presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for Select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guy's Night Out on Wednesday, January 6th against the Dallas Mavericks. Visit Pelicans.com to plan your guys' night out today. We're talking Pelicans basketball
1: on the Black
0: and Blue Report.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. We continue to talk Pelicans on this Tuesday, and it wouldn't be Pelicans Talk on a Tuesday without my good friend Jim Ikenhofer from Pelicans.com, who joins me right now in Studio B. Happy Tuesday to you, Jimbo.
3: Happy Tuesday to you as well. It's uh, great to be here.
1: This is weird not having you on the phone in your chateau. You're actually here in person. This is
3: a nice surprise. (laughs) Well, you know, usually... I'm usually here on Tuesdays. It was a little bit rare that I would have Tuesday off, but um you know it's it's uh it's it's good to be here. It's good to be back in the studio and um I'm sure everything's being taken care of at the chateau right now, so I don't have to worry about that.
1: between you and your agent. It's hard to get a hold of you these days. You're so busy
3: <laughs> Well, I mean hey i have a, I have a very hectic schedule. I'm in demand. I have another few radio shows I have to do later today that are are a little bit more important to me than this one. But um, I'm glad wow. that I could squeeze you into uh, my my docket today.
1: Whatever happened to our non-compete agreement and <laughs> our your clause for these Tuesday appearances?
3: Uh, oh. Um, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah,
1: sorry. Let's let's talk some Pelicans though. They are 11 and 22, five and five under last 10. I asked Joel Myers the same question last segment. I want to get your take in this segment. What have you seen? What's the good, the bad, and the ugly in these last 10 games? Five and five, you'll take after the 1 and 11 start, but still obviously a long way to go for this team.
3: I think probably the best step forward they've made during this five and five stretch is they're better. They're definitely better defensively. There's been uh, several games where they've held the other team under a hundred points lately, which wasn't happening hardly at all at the beginning of the season. So I think they're, they're getting more wins and they're also putting themselves in position to win, even in some of the games that have turned into losses, just by the fact that they're so much better defensively than they were. Um, I think the thing that I would like to see improved and everyone would like to see is I feel like the execution sometimes still isn't, isn't there. I feel like there's been some lapses. There's been times where I forget which game it it was. They're starting to all blend together where uh, they had to call timeout two or three times, um, in a row. So, or after they were already on the court, they had to call another timeout. So, um, that's the, that's also what the players have talked about lately after the last few games is execution, execution. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. If if they can get that down and improve there, I think they'll start to win more close games as well because that's what a lot of these games in the fourth quarter have come down to. Now the good thing is that in the the last game on Saturday against Dallas, that's what they did. They they were better in the last few minutes of the game, and that was the reason that they ended up winning that one.
1: You mentioned that in the last few games, you, we've had games come down to the final few possessions. I think Sean said on the radio broadcast, they're 2-0 and or 1-0 and or 2-0 when the game is within three points. You have another big win come down to the last minute. It seems like this team is doing a lot better closing out games.
3: Yeah. Well, they've only had, there's only been two games this year that have been decided by three points or less. Yeah, we have. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you ne- you almost never see that. thirty right. something game. I feel like there was, I, I guess maybe it's one of those statistical fluky things where there have been a lot of games that have been decided by five or six. Maybe they've right. been kind of close, but They also qualify. go a couple games in overtime. When yeah. they go to
1: overtime, they go, like, yeah, the Miami, you yeah, had the Cleveland game there. So, yeah, some of that is skewed a little bit, but when it comes down to regular, mm-hmm. the regulation, 48 minutes, it's been pretty rare that the Pelicans and the other team have come down to the final possession of the game.
3: Yeah, I, I, I do think that some of that, in terms of getting better in that area... Is the fact that some of the constant flux that was in place earlier in the season because of injuries has gone away? You're still not 100% healthy, and, and um, you know you have times where you have to adjust to guys coming in and out throughout the whole season. But um, I do think that they've that that's one reason why things have settled down a little bit is that you don't have the, the situation that you did in the in November where you had sometimes you had nine guys, and I mean it was like you sign a guy one day and then the next day he's in the starting lineup, so. That's definitely um, been a good thing.
1: I want to focus on a couple guys real quick. We'll start with Tyreek Evans, who missed last game with a right knee tendinitis. Uh, not sure about his status um, for tomorrow night's game against the same Dallas Mavericks, but he's averaging 15.7 rebounds, 6 assists since returning from injury. You can tell there's still some adjustment being need to be made between Alvin and Tyreek as far as how Tyreek plays and how it really doesn't mesh as well with the system as I guess both of them thought, um, what are your thoughts on Tyreek and how he's adjusted? What are your thoughts on Gentry? And do you think this is something that could work eventually? Because you can tell that sometimes it's, it's kind of struggled between how Tyreek likes to play and how he's going to have to adjust to a very ball movement, heavy type of offense.
3: I mean, I would suggest to people that are interested in this, if, to, to plug one of our things right now to, to watch, um, watch the video that's on the site yesterday of Alvin Gentry talking about Tyreek's role and his adjustment. Um, I think that that Alvin Gentry is is um, being patient with Tyreek and, and understanding from both sides that they're trying to get him to play a different way than the way he's played and also realizing that it's not easy for a player to do that and that it's going to take time. And also, he, he mentioned how Tyreek didn't have training camp. So, um, you know there's a there's a I think right now that they they're they're no understanding that it's not going to happen immediately but it's something that needs to take place and I do think that that Tyreek has um adjusted better as time has gone on he's had some pretty high assist games um so I think they're probably just looking at it more as like something that they'll know that he's getting closer to playing the way they want him to play when he he consistently does it every single game instead of you know, every other game or sporadically.
1: What about Drew Holiday, who is played well his last game against the Mavericks, 20 points, 8 of 14 shooting, had that big drive on JJ Barea coming off the bench. Now the minute restriction is over. He played 30 minutes last game. He usually averages around 32 in his career. This year it's been 23 due to that minute restriction. He said yesterday as well he doesn't mind coming off the bench. He thinks it's been helpful for him. The biggest thing he emphasizes is he wants to be in that finishing five that finishes games. Sure. Um, What have you liked about drew coming off the bench? That's been so successful for him.
3: I think he's been able to focus on, on scoring. I think when he's been in the starting lineup, when he's out there with multiple other guys who need the ball, I think a lot of times it's a, it's a tougher decision-making process in terms of, should I shoot shoot? Should I pass? So I think, when he's come off the bench and he's been been able to play off the ball more he's been able to to maybe do what he does best which is go out there and score um it's it's interesting i i do wonder sometimes when i watch him play if at times he's been miscast throughout his career I, I, people kind of see him as like you know a conventional point guard um i know a lot of that is kind of going away in the nba you see a lot more point guards who do think score a lot but I do. I do wonder sometimes. Like it, it seems like he's done so well in this role that it makes you th- think. Like maybe maybe this is the best um, situation for him to be able to come off the bench and and be instant offense and and um, do some of the stuff that he's done. You know, not, not that he's at all like the the style of player that Jamal Crawford is, but just kind of that role where you come in and and you can focus on scoring. You don't have to um, you know go back and forth between setting people up all the time and and looking for your own shot.
1: How does he work well with Norris Cole off the bench? Because a lot of times that's who he's coming off the bench with. How how are they complementing each other there when they're both on the floor?
3: I feel like Drew has mentioned that just being able to play with Norris means that Drew's going to be off the ball, like I said. So Norris maybe will be able to handle some of the ball handling a little bit more. Um, I, I just think it's um, the situation when he's out there with um, Eric – when Drew's out there with Eric and Tyreek, it, it's a situation where all three guys are, are, you know, can be kind of volume scorers. So I think it's just a just a different situation as far as playing off of a guy. I feel like, too, that Norris and Drew are both very similar in their mentality defensively. They seem like they're really aggressive and they really can hound um, ball handlers. So it just seems like for whatever reason that the, that combination has, has worked really well and benefited Drew a lot. We're talking with Jim Eikenhofer
1: from Pelicans.com, part of our Tuesday Black and Blue Report, and we're going to kind of break our own rule here. During one of our Pelicans OT shows, we said we weren't going to talk about playoffs and the standings until <laughs> this team went on a three-game winning streak. Well, that has not happened, but since this is my day of hosting, I will break my own rule, <laughs> and we're not on Pelicans OT, so I figure right. I kind of caught a leeway, right. a little loophole in the system there. So this team is 11-22, and 22, and for the most part, any other season, or maybe if you're in the East this year, you're thinking 11 22 and thinking it's going to be a long, long road to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But in the West, surprisingly, this season, you're only four games out of a playoff spot, the eighth spot. Also, with the seventh spot, you're only four and a half back, which would be avoiding the Golden State Warriors in the first sure. round. The only problem is you're also 13th in the Western Conference. You just passed Phoenix, who is on a downward. Viral only mm-hmm. scoring, I believe like 22 points in the first half against the Lakers the other night. You still have Minnesota. You're tied with Minnesota. As far as games back, you're still down within them percentage points. You're tied with nuggets. Same scenario there. You're two games back of Portland. You're two game, two and a half games back of Sacramento. And then you're four get back of Utah who has the eighth spot. Mm-hmm. Lots of time, but this is a time where you have 10 of your next 13 at home a good chance for the Pelicans to make a run here and a good chance to pass some of these teams who are struggling. If you, uh, we mentioned this earlier, Pelicans are five and five in the last 10 Minnesota's three and seven Denver's one and nine Portland's four and six. So none of these teams are really helping themselves. This could be a chance for the Pelicans to help themselves kind of escalate there in the Western conference playoff race.
3: Yeah. I mean, like we've mentioned many times throughout the season, it, even though you look at how many games back they are, there's a bunch of teams in between them and eighth. But at the same time, I feel like one of the things that's unique about this year in the West is a lot of those teams are not in the mode of we need to get in the playoffs this year. They're more in the mode of building for next year or two years down the road like Minnesota, Portland, I feel like is that way. Um, so not to not to push them aside and and, and just take for granted that, that, that they're not a factor, but I do feel like if the Pelicans keep playing 500 even, I mean, you want to do better than that, but even if they just break even over the next few weeks, they're going to pass a lot of these teams because a lot of these teams, as you noted in their recent records, are really struggling. So, um, But in terms of, of the schedule coming up that you alluded to, um, John Schumann on NBA.com, I, I think I, I'm going to try to link to this in something that I write sometime soon. He wrote a really interesting thing about how the Pelicans have had the toughest schedule in the NBA they have. so far, but January they have the easiest. So the combination of the opponents that they play and having, as we from our perspective, mercifully, we finally have a stretch of a bunch of home games coming up here soon. Um, I think if you factor that in, that all together, I feel like this is, I don't want to say make or break because it's always a long season, but this stretch is really important. It feels like the time when they can really make a move. And um, none of the this, Houston's seventh right now, not playing well at all. Utah's eighth right now has a million injuries, hasn't played great, has a lot more excuses than the Rockets do for why they haven't done well lately. But I feel like those two teams are definitely in a situation where if the Pelicans can put together a really good stretch right here, you're going to see that gap shrink even more, and it'll be even more realistic to think, like, okay, they're in the race now. One last
1: question before um, we'll probably bring you back here for another segment to wrap things up, but one last Pelicans related question here, and this might put you on the spot, um, but it's kind of what I've been kind of noticing on Twitter and um, fans and writers and everything, which is okay. It's just kind of an interesting question. When you start off as poorly as the Pelicans did, unfortunately at one 11, now you're 11 and 22, but still in the playoff race, but basically you're sealing I mean, realistically, it's probably 6-8 through right now, unless you go on some miraculous run. Right. How do you distinguish whether, when you get close to the trade deadline, whether you start thinking about assets for the next couple years if these players don't fit into the Alvin Gentry system? Or how do you distinguish, is it worth it to say, hey, going to the playoffs two years in a row, even if it's going 8th and potentially facing the Golden State Warriors in the first round? How do you factor both those in? Whether that's a good season after the expectations coming into the season were, you know, maybe a leap over eighth, seventh, or Mm -hmm. sixth to, okay, let's just get in. And in two years in a row in the playoffs is still pretty good. How do you, I guess, for fans who are saying, well, why don't we just, well, I hate the word tanking, so I'm not even going to bring up tanking, but why don't we just maybe make some moves and get ready for next season instead of, well, why are we going to try to make a push for a playoff race when we're going to be eighth and potentially facing a really good Golden State Warriors team.
3: I mean, those are those are interesting questions to ask. The one question that I always throw out when I hear that talked about, mm-hmm. when in terms of making trades or possible moves, the question I always have is what kind of offers are you getting back? Mm-hmm. I mean, people it's always great to say like, yeah, we should make this move, we should do this, we should get rid of different guys, but to me, the point of the point of making trades at the trade deadline is to improve the team or to you know do something that will help you it's it's impossible to know unless you're in the front office unless you're on the other end of the phone of whether you're getting offers that make sense or things that cuz i i'm never been i've never been a believer in doing something for the sake of doing something right and also if you're if you're in if you have a chance to make the playoffs you have to go for it to me in my opinion i understand people will say you know hey whoever is 8th this year is a sacrificial lamb because the Warriors are so good and they're going to destroy whoever they play against. But I still think you've got to give yourself a chance. And I I don't believe at all, especially if you're in that window where you're on the fringe of being an eight seed or possibly not making the playoffs and then having to pick 13th or 14th. It's like the difference between being an eight seed and picking probably 15th or 16th and most likely picking 13th. I don't, I don't see how that is really should ever swing anyone's decision making. So but, I mean, to, to I mean I could talk about this forever, but basically the synopsis of the way I feel about a lot of the um, speculation or second-guessing or first-guessing even on, on moves is that until you know what kind of offers you're going to get from other teams and you know what kind of value the guys you have, um, what, what, what value they have, I don't know how you can really say like what they should or shouldn't do. I mean, and I also don't believe in selling low on guys. You you want to you don't want to trade guys when their value is at their lowest mm-hmm. point. So I mean, these are those are all different factors that go into what kind of decisions that every team makes in the NBA. You know, coming up over the next month or so.
1: Yeah, I think it's just interesting the, what position the Pelicans are in right now. Just the fact of how they started, they are starting to turn a corner here. But you hear fans, and it, and it's understandable. I was just kind of curious how you would you know kind of put your GM hat on a little bit. Um, At the same time, I want to piggyback off you a little bit here. I would think with a team that's been so young and a lot of these guys that just tasted their first experience of playoff basketball last year, that even if you are the quote-unquote sacrificial lamb in the first Mm -hmm. round against the Golden State Warriors, I believe another playoff series would be good for a 22-year-old Anthony Davis, a young Drew Holiday, a young Tyreek Evans. Even if it is the Golden State Warriors, I think making the playoffs in that sense would be huge for this team
3: yeah I mean it was it was really good experience last year. I think it would be good experience again regardless of how it goes. I mean it would give you another chance to to be able to assess yourself and figure out where where you where you stand and what areas you need to get better in. Um, I mean they as much as as you look back on it now and say like you know they got swept last year, they also were I hate to bring this up again, but they also were one play from being down two to one no. in that series and having <laughs> game four. At home, where I mean, people would have been, you know, out of control excited for that game four if they if it was only two to one that they were down. So I mean, yeah, you, you, I just I just totally believe in the idea of giving yourself a chance. I'm pretty sure no one's ever won the, an NBA championship when they haven't made the playoffs. So mm-hmm. you got to get in to to have a chance. So I mean, uh, that that's the way I would always look at things. I feel like it's a little gutless to to say like, yeah, the, a team should tank. They should. They should you hate know, lose me. games. So, I mean, that's a whole other rant. I could probably talk about that for 10, 15 minutes yeah. alone. But, um, you know, it's, it's a competitive um, game and it's a competitive industry. Y- you want to do everything you possibly can to win as many games as you can and, and put yourself in position. And no one wants to not make the playoffs. So, regardless, I mean, put yourself in a position to do the best you can. And I feel like there's a lot of people that would never be in – they would never be in the NBA if they thought the way that some people do of saying like, oh, they should lose or they should mm-hmm. not do their best. So, but, um, so that's, that's pretty much my, I could, like I said, I could go on a rant about this, but I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. Maybe we'll
1: save some of it for next Tuesday. Talk about stuff like that. I think that's good stuff I think to talk about as for far sure. as the tanking. And, and also I think the biggest thing that I can't stand is how the trade machine on ESPN kind of, I think, fools people a little bit because you can match up money on certain teams mm. in trades and be like, perfect, let's do this. Yeah. One, you have to have both teams that want to do that. And two, right. just because just because money matches up doesn't mean like Eric Gordon for LeBron James can technically match up money-wise probably, right. but it doesn't mean Eric Gordon is going to trade for LeBron James and things like that. I'm just stating money-wise. Right. But that trade machine, I think, fools people a little bit there. The
3: biggest, the biggest thing that I see constantly when I, when I see people talk about trades that should be done or trades that would be great. The biggest thing that comes up all the time is the other team would never do this. And it's amazing to me. I'm not going to say who it is, but I talked to a media person um, last year about different trades. And I said, well, wait, these trades that you came up with, the other team would never do this. And they looked at me like like I was crazy. I'm like, how could you never think of when you're coming up with trade ideas about the other team's perspective? There's no point of coming up with. That's the whole. To me, the whole point of, of the whole fun of trades is that you think of what's realistic. Mm-hmm. If you're coming up with trades that the other team would never do, I have I'd fail to see what the actual point of, of that is. I mean, if if the other team's perspective didn't matter, you'd win the championship every right. year with trades that that the other team, will, you know, that don't make sense for the other team's standpoint.
1: You could work in NBA 2K16, but probably not going to work here <laughs> in the NBA. Good points there, Jim. I'm glad we brought this up. Uh, You want to stick around for segment four, help me me wrap things up? I'd be happy to. Maybe talk a little NFL? Sure. You playoff guy, right? Yeah, of course. All right, let's talk a little NFL. We'll wrap things up next with Jim on this Tuesday edition of the Black & Blue Report.
2: All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion, because we know we can save you some money. Power outages turn your world upside down.
0: Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, as it states in Jim's contract, he has to appear on another segment besides his own in Black and Blue Report at least once every couple of months. So today he's going to fulfill that requirement. Joining me in segment four to we'll wrap things up, we're going to talk a little NFL. Yes, Jim is very knowledgeable and not just nba but in all sports croquet bowling archery golf and even the nfl so jim let's talk a little nfl playoffs i think this is one of the best weekends of the year with the four games the two wild cards in each conferences i I, this is the best part of the year i think as far as football is concerned yeah
3: i'm really looking forward to it hey by the way can i backtrack for a second did i put that clause in the contract that i have to be on or did you put the clause in the contract that i have to be on for a second segment of of the show I'm not gonna answer that I don't think I have to because <laughs> I don't remember agreeing to that so talk that to could, your agent buddy that could be something that took place when I wasn't wasn't paying attention I snuck that and, in there anyways um this weekend yeah I'm I'm always excited to uh I think the first round of the playoffs are great the second round is, is great because you always have like four games going on total between Saturday and Sunday um I'm looking forward to I think of the games this weekend I think the, of the four I think the best one the best matchup is probably Pittsburgh Cincinnati mm-hmm. I feel like in in each of the other four games there's probably a team that either didn't have a great season overall like Washington hey they played yeah. well down the stretch but I mean is that really a, a really good team or um you know kind of didn't have a great second half of the season like I think Minnesota really faltered a mm-hmm. little bit in the second half before they kind of got it back together so but I think. um Pittsburgh is a dangerous team. Cincinnati was really good the whole season. So I, I think that's probably the one that I would be, as a the average fan, I think should look forward to the most this is, weekend.
1: Isn't it crazy that we probably didn't expect Seattle and Green Bay, two road teams, during the first week of wild card? Yeah. A lot of people thought those teams could be the ones that had the buy in the first round going into it. You have Seattle and, mm-hmm. not Seattle, you have Arizona and Carolina having those buys, but Hard to believe that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has kind of struggled this year. Green Bay has. Yep. I mean, they're still obviously a good team. They're the fifth seed. But hard to believe Green Bay and Seattle are your road teams in this wild
3: card weekend. I mean, Arizona and Carolina were so good the whole season that I, they made the margin of error for other teams to be able to get a first round bye so small. Yeah. And Seattle got off to a really bad start. They were four and five at one point. They had no chance, really, at that point to, to not be. Um, to, they had no chance to be a, a top two seed at that point. Green Bay started off great. I thought they were the best team in the NFC like halfway through the season, and then they had a horrible stretch. Uh, they won only like two games of their last I don't know how many, and one of them was that miracle um, hail mary to uh, against Detroit on the last play of the game. So yeah, those two teams both had stretches that just killed them in terms of being able to be in a favorable position going into the playoffs. I
1: have a being a baseball fan, I this kind of gets brought up a little bit just based on matchup wise, you know, and it be at least before this wild card, this extra wild card game that division opponents could not play each other or teams in the same division cannot play each other in the first round. I believe that changes now because if it doesn't matter if the wild card, you know, if you're in the wild card game, you happen to win and face a division opponent. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. Do you like that? As far as the NFL, you had the Bengals and Steelers playing for the third time. You love the rivalry, but one, do you want to see other teams potentially play each other that maybe haven't you haven't seen this year, or do you like the fact that the Bengals and Steelers are going to play for a third time and that intense rivalry is going to carry on and carry over into the playoffs?
3: I think it's good and bad. I think from a fan standpoint of seeing like two teams that are huge rivals play against each other again is great. the the one down the one downside to it that I I I see come up a, a good amount is um. There's too many times when the same team, two teams play each other in week 17 and then play each other again in the playoffs. It almost happened with Minnesota Green Bay, and I feel like it it sets up a weird situation where sometimes the two teams um, that are playing each other in the last game of the regular season have this weird, weird um, setup where it's like it's not always better if they win, and sometimes if you win, you're putting all you're doing is you're you're winning and then you have to beat the same team again for a second week in a row. And I know the way the NFL does the schedule, which I think is a great idea, where the teams within the divisions play each other a lot in um, Week 16, and then I think it's exclusively that way in mm-hmm. Week 17. It's great, but I, I do wonder sometimes if there's a way that they can figure out how to avoid that, because I feel like that that is a bad um, thing that keeps happening. You know, It, it seems like about maybe once a year, if you look around the whole NFL, there's a situation like that where... Um, you have a re- repeat matchup, and I, I I definitely don't like that. I don't think that's a that's a good thing that keeps happening.
1: You almost had it this year with C, uh, Minnesota and Green Bay. Right. If Green Bay would have won, you would have seen Minnesota back at Green Bay the next weekend, but since Minnesota won, they will host the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. Good stuff, Jim. Appreciate you coming in here on this Tuesday, and now we look forward to Pelicans and Mavericks tomorrow.
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I, I love talking NFL as much as I'm immersed in the NBA. I, I definitely love NFL I watch it as much as I can. It's not always easy with the schedule that we have. But, right. But, but but yeah, it's great. I I uh, I really have a have a have fun watching it and I'm definitely a big fan
1: we'll continue to talk about the nfl playoffs throughout the week also keep an eye on these coaching changes throughout the nfl chuck magano four more years now in indianapolis tomorrow we'll focus on more on the pelicans as a take on the dallas mavericks david wesley will be on as part of the wesley wednesday and we're efforting to get chuck cooperstein the radio voice of the dallas mavericks who will kind of give us a take in the, our finale against the dallas mavericks we're already done with the season series on January the 6th so should be a good matchup against the Mavericks tomorrow thank you so much to Jim and to Joel Myers for coming on today's show until tomorrow Sean Kelly back in the hosting chair I'm Daniel Sallerson. you all have a great rest of your Tuesday
0: thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report if all goes well we'll be back tomorrow tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com